I tweeted out, it's a cherry Coke float at 10.27 p.m. type of night. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 37th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live from rainy Rip City, and it's only fitting that it is pouring after watching that game two in Oakland. Uh, Sage, uh, thoughts, condolences, funeral plans, I I don't know what else to, to, to say really in terms of that game. It was another chapter of heartbreaking Trailblazers basketball. I mean, you really de- you definitely have the vibe set in your house. Like I've never seen your apartment this dark right as it is right now, and you're just we're just. I can tell that you're bummed from that game, but there was definitely some positives attached to that game. It wasn't all negative. Yeah, the end result sucks. But there was things that the Blazers did that was positive. Yeah, and throughout the whole game, I was, you know, very calm, you know, excited when we would hit shots. But in the back of my mind, I really knew we were going to lose that game. It's tough to win in Oakland. And a 17-point lead against the Warriors is like a 5- or 6-point lead against any other team. It can disappear in the bat of an eye, and I knew that in the back of my mind, even without Steph Curry, we were also hitting a lot of contested jump shots uh, that kept the Warriors at bay, and they were getting a lot of points in the paint. You know, they nearly, they did double us in points in the paint, 56 to 28, and just the ease at which they scored, you knew it was only a matter of time. You kept watching that clock, and it couldn't go fast enough, and once they got the lead, it was like the floodgates opened and the dam burst all in once, all at once, and there was nothing you could do but curl up in the fetal position and wait till the final buzzer sounded. You sound very depressed. It's crazy when I'm the one that's trying to bring the the listener up. There were some good things, yeah. The end result sucked. But 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 Sage, you're you're new booty trailblazer fan. You haven't been through these painful defeats. I'm talking. Game 7 against the Lakers in 2000. We lost Game 1 of the 91 Western Conference Finals to the Lakers, up 12 going into the fourth quarter. We were up 16 points. Game 6 and 92 Finals against the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan's out on the bench. It's Pippen and four reserves, and we blow that game. This team, that throughout its history, has choked away games, except for the 77 Blazers. And I'm not saying that the Blazers are a bad team or that I'm pissed off they lost, but I'm saying this is just another chapter of heartbreaking endings as a lifelong Blazer fan. And don't get me wrong, I know there's more to come, and it will only make it sweeter once we finally do win, whenever that is, because you go through these trials and tribulations as a fan, but it doesn't make it any less easier to take. And that was... And I wasn't completely like... if. This holds no candle to Game 7 against Lakers because, one, that was Western Conference Finals. Two, we had a legitimate championship team, contending team. This team, we all know, it's house money, it's gravy, cherry on top, whatever cliche you want to use. That's what this team is. You know, they're surpassing all expectations. And for the most part, yeah, we're happy to be here, and we just don't want to get swept. But on the other hand, it's, it's still painful. You watch your team 
play the defending champs in their gym fantastically through three quarters and then get outscored 34 to 12 in the fourth. That was a slow and painful death tonight, my friend. Yeah, but just think that we're in the final fucking eight of all teams. This is an accomplishment. I'm just, as you said, I am a new booty fan, but I'm enjoying the ride as it is, man. And I enjoyed that first 36 minutes of the ride. After that, I wanted off ASAP. <laughs> I mean, I I did start listening to Atmosphere directly after that game, so I guess I feel I feel you. But at the same time, there was also a lot of positives. I'm going to keep harping on it. There was positives in this game. There's things that we can learn. It's a process, man. Well, there's a lot of things we can learn, and I, the great thing that we're able to play these extended games is you get to find out a lot about your team. I think the flavor of the month last series was Mason Plumley, who was getting double-doubles on the regular. However, the defense is shifting, so he's not as much of a threat passing the ball. Golden State's actually, because of their defensive specialists that they have, their, their personnel on the floor, they can switch on the pick-and-roll and still be fine and play him tight and make him put the ball on the floor. He is not finishing at all on the, the pick-and-roll. Uh, rough night for him. He does have 11 points and 4 assists, but 6 points on 2 of 6 uh, shooting. Got his shot blocked 3 times, and to be honest, he looked sh- shook. He looked yeah. shook. Dray- Draymond was in his head, couldn't control the basketball. He, you know, He's fumbling the ball out of bounds. And, you know, I blame that a little bit on Mason, but I also blame it on Terry. Why the hell do you have Mason out there when he's obviously struggling? Ed Davis, only get 15 minutes. I, I don't understand that. And he, he, was actually, he, he was actually finishing like the Ed Davis we know. I mean, it was almost like a complete role reversal. Ed mm-hmm. Davis was struggling against the Clippers, but this series is tailor-made for him on the pick-and-roll because we're going to need the pick-and-roll if we're going to pick up a game in Portland. So... Terry better make some damn adjustments because the Mason Plumlee experience, if you want to put it like that, it's just not a good fit against this Warriors defense. And that's not taking anything away from Mason. He had a great series against the Clippers. We do not advance without his performance against the Clippers. But he's a situational center. Mm. He's a good he's a good matchup against some teams and not so good against others. And we're seeing, you know, kind of the downfall of that against the Warriors. So I'm all in favor for Maura Davis. Did you see the same thing, Sage? As far as Mason Publi, of course, man. And Ed Davis was actually rolling to the rim. You could tell that he got his confidence back, and Mason Plumley was like a seventh grader asking a pretty girl out on a date type of confidence. I mean, six turnovers. He was that. I mean, yeah. I don't know how else. Six turnovers from your center when he was so careful with the basketball last series. You just can't win on the road when you get, turn the ball over seventeen times. They only turned over ten. And I believe five or six of those turnovers came in that fourth quarter. I mean, we literally gave that game away. Credit Golden State for turning up the defense, but we didn't rise to the occasion in the fourth quarter. We just threw possessions away, and they chipped away at the lead. And you can't do that against the caliber of this team. Even without Steph Curry, this is still one of the top two or three teams in the league. That's how good and deep and well-coached they are. Well, I think that their offense was just unbelievably bad. Because it didn't look like offense? Blazers. It didn't look like Blazers' offense at all. It was like direct cuts to the basket, iso ball. There was no passing, no nothing, man. It was just a aberration from what you've seen the entire season. It was just bad basketball. And even like 
you could tell that nobody wanted to score outside of CJ and Dame. And I think Dame just let it all out on that third quarter. He was gassed. But, but the, I, I was most upset about that offense. It was just plain and simple, like something so beneath Terry Stotts. It was just one cut, or not even one cut. It was just, I'm going to try and bully ball my way to the basket, and I'm probably going to get blocked. Yeah, Dame had himself a night, 25 points, six trays, uh, six dimes, four assists, 17 of those 25 come in the third quarter. He plays all 12 minutes of that third quarter. Stotts even kept him in there for an extra minute into the fourth to see if he could keep that momentum going. He needed a rest. He was gassed. The, the wheels started to unravel, and they were coming off the wagon. And he had to go back in there, I believe, at like the 7.58 mark. And he only took like three shots in the fourth quarter. You know, I would rather live and die with Dame pulling up threes than Al Camino running off of a screen trying to kick it to the guy in the third row or Mason Plumlee catching off a pick and roll and not knowing what to do. That was tough to watch. Oh, of course it was. Were you on Twitter? Like in the first half, everyone was talking about how great Al and then he just normalizes to the mean in the second half. It I mean, was... I don't, I don't think you can blame this on Aminu. Oh, he of did. course not. But it was 14 points though on 50% shooting. He shot 60% from three. He's given you six rebounds and a block. Yes, he turned it over four times, but he played great defense, and he shouldn't be in that position. No, we shouldn't have to, to make a basketball move again. I'm, I'm putting this one on Terry because. He's not putting the players in the position to succeed. Like, there's no reason that Henderson and Mason Plumley and Alfred Camino should be dribbling the ball at the perimeter with the shot clock winding down to five, looking for a shot. We need to find ways to get Damon CJ the ball off the ball, just like the Clippers. And I, I don't know why it's taking him so, so long to do this. We saw what the Clippers did, just run similar sets and actions to get them the ball because once they were getting open looks, they were knocking them down. But we can't have, you know, Damon CJ did this too, dribble, 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 ISO. I mean, it's like I was watching Brandon Roy and Nate McMillan all over again. You're not going to win a 48-minute basketball game with that as your offense down the stretch. And with the talent, I mean, the other team's more talented. It has to be a team-oriented game if you're even going to have a chance when the talent is so one-sided. I mean, you saw the Blazers push that lead up to 17 in the first half because they were ball movement, player movement. They were working off screens. They were driving and dishing, swinging it around the perimeter. They were playing as a team. and It was fun. It was fun. And I don't want to say they were trusting each other. I'm not saying they weren't trusting each other. But I think you're right. Only Damon and CJ wanted to shoot that basketball. I think the other ones, um, maybe the stage was just a little too bright for them tonight. But, I mean, that's what you get when you have such – a young roster, the second youngest in the league, the youngest left in the playoffs. And a lot of these guys, this is their first taste of real playoff basketball. I mean, the first round, yeah. But, I mean, the second round, I mean, only intensifies as the games get deeper into the calendar year. And, I mean, the team is just – our opponent is just so much better than what we played against in the first round. It was a brutal fourth quarter, man. There, there, it was deflating. There was no other way to put it. But – I mean, yeah, when you shoot – Five of nineteen and just get twelve points. Uh, that's that's rough, my dude. That that is rough. It's not worse than getting blown out like we did in game one. Game one was boring. Uh, to be honest, you could tell that game was over within the first five minutes when they jumped out on us. You're not gonna catch up to the Warriors 
Uh, they're like that old Nebraska football team of the mid-90s. When they got a lead, they were running that option to death, eating up that clock, and by all means extending that lead because they were so dominant at what they did. Uh, they played downhill, and that's what this Warriors team does. And Portland did a great they, they did a great job for the first 36 minutes of keeping Golden State at bay, uh, playing at their own pace, and controlling the tempo. But once those shots stopped falling, the defense, I think, let up just a bit. And once Golden State saw there was blood in the water, they attacked, like champions do. Like, when you're shooting such a bad percentage, it means your defense is essentially scrambling because they don't have a chance to set up after the made basket. The inbound helps your defense set up. So when you're shooting such a bad percentage, it's just, you're defending the fast break for that entire fourth quarter. So you couldn't establish that good defense. Because I was pretty proud of how we fought Clay Thompson. But in that fourth quarter, the tempo and the, the pace was just so fast because of the, the missed baskets. Yeah, I mean... I'll, I'll, I think Terry deserves a lot of blame for this loss, but I will give him credit for putting Mo Harkless on Clay Thompson uh, after just blitzing the Trailblazers for what, like 17 first quarter points in Game One. Harkless hounded him and held him to just five points on two of six shooting in the first quarter. I thought in general Portland made it um, a big initiative to slow Clay down, and they did that. He does get 27 points, but he shot just a poor 7 of 20 from the field, uh, 5 of 14 from the three-point line. Uh, that's Those are numbers you can definitely live with. Uh, I thought he only got a couple of open looks, some of those off scramble plays. So Portland made life pretty tough for Clay, and they're going to have to do the same thing if they want to you know, take a game in Portland. It, w- it was pretty crazy because you think of the Warriors as a perimeter-oriented team, but in the third and fourth quarter, it was all about trying to get into the paint. I mean, Livingston with his back to the basket, Draymond throwing oops to Festus Azili. That was a new little wrinkle to their offense. Yeah, Portland's going to have a problem if they start playing Draymond at point guard because, you know, seven assists, only two turnovers. He's able to shoot the ball. You couldn't tell by tonight's line, 7 of 20, just like Clay, 0 of 5 from 3, including that air ball. But he still found a way to get 17 points. Oh, did I mention he can grab boards too? 14 boards. So if he's initiating the offense, it's going to be an adjustment that I don't know is possible for Terry Stotts to make. That's something that only a handful of teams can match up against. If you've got your center essentially initiating the offense and he can score out of the triple threat. He can do everything in the triple threat position at an elite clip. He is annoying as goddamn shit, though. He is so <laughs> insufferable. I'm thinking about possibly rooting for the San Antonio Spurs and LaMarcus Aldridge over Draymond Green. Like, the Warriors are an absolutely amazing team. They're fun to watch. But that guy is the absolute worst Flexing when you initiate contact, but somehow Damien gets called for the foul and you score over a 6-2 point guard. Um, get the fuck out of here with that, Draymond. Like, he's just the ultimate troll, and I would love to see him lose this year. Like, he is the guy who talks so much shit. He's had a right to this year. They won 73 games, but I would just love to see, you know, that smug face once that once they lose a series. Uh, he is... Don't get me wrong, fantastic player, 
arguably the best power forward in the game. I would love him on the Trailblazers, but as an opponent, might be my new least favorite player in the league now that Kobe Bryant has retired. Just absolutely cannot stand him. I mean, the egregious shit he says about himself is just ridiculous. Yeah, he might he's a great player, but man. Like, take a lesson from your teammate Stephen Clay. Be a little bit more humble. I don't care. If, see, Steph, he can dance. I, I love that. Dance, have fun. That's fine. But when you're signaling over to the other team to call a timeout, and like like I said, flexing over a point guard when you like, you're better than that, Draymond. Like, knock it off. Mm-hmm. But again, uh, until Portland finds an answer or anybody else finds an answer about how to stop him initiating the ball, we're going to see a whole lot more of that. Uh, what I thought was encouraging from Portland is they put that game one in the rear view, and they had a fantastic first quarter. They outscored the Warriors 34-21. to 21. Uh, We shot 67%. They shot about 39%. Uh, we had four threes. They had one. We shot 67% from the three line. And what I loved is we had 10 assists on 14 made buckets. They had four on their 10 made buckets. That's usually what the Warriors are doing. They're usually the ones setting the tone with the teamwork. And that goes back to our point of the ball stopped moving on offense. It was, you know, boom, boom, boom around the perimeter during that first half. And that's what really got Portland the lead. And they're going to have to continue to do that. Just keep trusting that Aminu and Harkless are going to hit their open threes and that we can just find ways to get CJ and Dame going because still outside of that game three against the Clippers, neither player has really got it going. I know CJ has 22 points tonight, but 22 and 25 is 47. That's probably the second best performance of the playoffs for the Trailblazers. It's not enough. I still want them to shoot the ball a little bit more, especially when they're hovering around that 50% mark. And, I mean, you talk about the fourth quarter of the Blazers, but I feel like the first half, when we were limiting Clay, the, the Warriors' offense became very predictable. It was, we're going to try our damnedest to get Clay open, and if he gets the smallest amount of space, he's hoisting up something shitty. And then the roles were just reversed in the second half. Yeah, Steve Steve Kerr made a great adjustment. He put Draymond in the post, and he's good enough in the post to be a threat to score. But when they run all of that secondary action around him, when you're getting guards screening for each other, and just he's making absolute dimes to these to these guards streaking to the bucket, and it's just tough to stop. Mm -hmm. He's a fantastic player, and he really has all the tools. And you know, we were talking earlier in the season. He is their most valuable player. Steph is amazing and the greatest offensive weapon we've seen in 20 years. But that team is not that team without Draymond Green. And do you think he's the alpha dog of that team? Just personality-wise? I think he and Steph go Mm one-two. I think Clay plays that third role personality-wise really well. But I think he and Steph feed off of each other. Steph's Steph's that low-key cocky. I mean, you see him you know, shimmying and he has fun out there. Like Draymond's more of the, the outwardly um, talkative and vocal type of cocky. Steph kind of keeps it on the low. Steph's got kind of got that CJ McCollum cockiness. You probably don't see it unless you pay attention to it. But um, I, I think their chemistry is amazing. And it's incredible to think that they're doing this without the back-to-back MVP uh, who's setting all types of, of shooting records 
and easily the best shooter we have ever seen in any of our lifetimes. And he's not even playing. Mm-hmm. You you just look at that team and you're how the fuck do you beat them? I'm glad it's not our job to figure that out, man. I really am. I mean, like whoever comes out of the West or that second round, Oklahoma City or San Antonio, just it's gonna be. Like, I do not envy anybody. Like, I am glad that we're already two games over with this series because we beat the Clippers. And to me, that was just like, that was our championship this year. Yeah, I'm glad we made it to the second round and are playing the Warriors, but you know that you just do not have that great of a chance against this team. And that was even with without Steph. So let's say this whole series goes like seven games without Steph. Portland may come back to win it if, like he, if Steph just didn't exist, or there was, or if he was lifted out for the playoffs, they would still be the favorites, and they're still already up two zero without Curry. Um, this isn't like the Clippers when they lost Blake and, and CP. This is a loaded team that they're an all time great. I don't know why people keep knocking them, uh, knocking their position in history because they've got to go down as one of like the top five greatest teams of all time if they win it all this year. I, I just I don't know how. They're not. They're unguardable on offense. They play great team defense, and there's really no egos. Like you look at OKC, like oh maybe Durant and Westbrook might get at each other. That might screw them up. Uh, you look in Cleveland, they've got a couple knuckleheads. Or is LeBron going to be you know happy with his teammates? There's no, you, there's none of that. Think about that. Over the last two years, we have heard nothing negative out of that Warriors camp. Mm-hmm. The one, maybe the one thing was that Draymond was yelling at somebody in the locker room. Well, newsflash, that happens almost every game. That's, that's, that's the NBA locker room. That's a sports locker room. Um, so they have got something fantastic going. And if you're a Warriors fan, a true Warriors fan, bandwagon fans can kick rocks for all I care. If you're a true Warriors fan, enjoy this because yeah. this is, this is something you'll never ever see again. So soak up these remaining, what, four or five years you've got. I made a joke to you earlier uh, via text saying, like, Harrison Barnes had a good second and third quarter. That's going to make him, like, a few million dollars. How much? I think he's gone after this year. How much is he going to get overpaid? I don't think he's gone. You don't? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Draymond Green, ex- Draymond Green accepted less than the max to stay with this team. I think Luke Walton's making a... Uh, horrendous mistake going to the train wreck that is the oh, Lakers. Yeah. One thing, I don't think he's ready. Uh, yes, he coached them to the greatest start in NBA history, but look at his roster. Mm. You're not going to have anything close to that in Los Angeles. Um, if I'm Harrison Barnes, I take a pay cut to stay with this team. You're getting probably the weakest defender put on you every night. You still get about 10 to 11 shots per game. If any of those guys goes down, you're automatically slated up. You know, you're on that that tier, that ladder to keep moving up to get your shot. Um, you're on a good situation. I don't think, and I don't know if this is um, his persona or not, but don't take winning and this greatness for granted because there have been so many amazing basketball players who have not experienced the championship, and he's on his way to a second. So... What's an extra four or five million dollars a year if you can win? Man, I didn't even think about that because I just straight up assumed max money. He's going to. I don't want to say New Orleans. 
Dallas. Or New York. New York seems Thank like a you. I, I Dallas, mean. yeah. But you, you look at his numbers, okay, 13 points, 5 of 8 shooting, very efficient, but he's not going to give you a lot of rebounds for his position, especially against that small ball blazer lineup. He only grabbed three boards. He's not a great passer or facilitator. He only has one assist tonight, and he's not going to play the passing lanes or block shots. We've talked about this almost ad nauseum on this podcast. He has a name. Uh, people that remember or can think of like, oh, yeah, he's a good player. That's Harrison Barnes. Um, almost like like Rudy Gay is, is a name that people recognize. Uh, Barnes was the number one recruit coming out of the uh, the state of Iowa, oh. went to North Carolina, uh, was a preseason All-American before he even stepped foot on campus, which doesn't happen in the collegiate ranks, and was a lottery pick to this Warriors team. And now they're like, oh, he plays with Steph, Clay, and Draymond. He's just not getting his opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, once he gets his time to shine, he's really going to put up numbers. It's almost like they're trying too hard to find that next great Spurs player because of that Spurs system. Well, the Warriors are trying to replicate that. Maybe that's what other teams are going to uh, assume. But, you know, Steph's been out a while, and he's still not – he's easily the fourth or fifth best player on the court for them because you're taking Clay and Draymond, you're taking Sean Livingston, uh, you're taking Iguodala, and – I think sometimes Barbosa plays better basketball than him off oh, the bench. Oh, and you, you forgot Bogut. Bogut, think, yeah, Bogut. Yeah. So you're looking at, even without Steph, he's the fifth or sixth best player in your roster. Um, somebody, you're right, somebody is going to max him out. But if I'm him, I take a couple million extra less. The Warriors have the the ability to go over the cap to sign him. Um, I stay if I'm, I'm Harrison. This is a perfect situation. He is still young. He came out when he was 20, uh, so he's about 24 years old. Sign a four-year, five-year deal, and then if you win four or five more rings, you're like, hey, this is super fun, but I want to try and have a a bigger role and lead another franchise to a title. That's fine, but I would not take winning one or two titles for granted and call it good and try to start your own your own show. That's, yo, good point, point. Because we know whoever signs him to a max deal is making a colossal mistake. Yeah, they're just making a mistake. He's not that type of dude. I mean, he's not – so if, if you're telling me I can have Al Farouk Aminu for $7 million a year or Harrison Barnes maxed out, it's cheap all day. If you're maybe even giving me just a choice of Chief or, or, or Barnes, it might be Barnes, but it's, it's closer than I think people think, and that's not even going to factor in the, the difference in salaries that each player will be making. Or if you think, hmm, Kent Bazemore or Harrison Barnes? I'm taking Kent every single time. Yep. And Kent's going to make 11 mil, 12 mil? And that's not a knock on Barnes. Like, if, if you're all about the money and, and want to feel, you know, validated in your game, go ahead and take the money. But don't be depressed looking on your Instagram feed when you see pictures of Stephen Clay hoisting up another Larry O'Brien trophy while you're sitting at home. He just has that Trevor Ariza vibe to him where he thinks he's a little better than he is and he's going to go to a team like Houston with Trevor, with Trevor did and just be a colossal disappointment. And then eventually- Trevor was, Trevor was never the same when he didn't have Kobe and Pau and that Lakers system with him. And then it was never the same. Eventually Del Dumps is going to trade for him and it's going to be all over for me. So Harrison, like I don't want to make the Warriors better, but if you're smart, man, stick with that franchise, buddy. And by all accounts, he loves the Bay area. I, I would be, immensely shocked if those two sides don't work out a deal. All right. That's a good one. 
stage, what drove you most crazy about tonight's game? I really was annoyed by the fourth quarter offense, personally. Well, I was annoyed the whole game by our abysmal free throw shooting. Oh. As the great Shanley, Bill Shanley, says, you've got to make your free throws. Portland, we were 10 of 16 in the first half. We were leading 13. We were leading by 8 at, at the half. We could have been up by 14. That 17-point lead could have been 23. Uh, those points we left on the board, thankfully we only missed one in the second half. But these points that we're leaving on the board, you, you just can't. You have to play flawless in nearly every aspect of the game. And free throws, it, in the, the game of basketball, it really doesn't get any easier than a free throw. Mm-hmm. Nobody's guarding you. You're up there. You're shooting the basketball. Outside of like a wide-open layup, nothing is going to be easier. And Frankly, we have not shot the, the ball well at the charity stripe at all this postseason. So that's something if you're Scott looking to work on into next year, it's got to be these pressure free throws because we're even seeing guys like CJ uh, uh, miss free throws. And Mo Harkless has got to get better at the line as well. Mm-hmm. How many did he miss tonight? He was two of four. He made two when it really didn't matter, but he got fouled early on. Oh, um, yeah, Rick Bolt. Yeah. yeah. Little, little frustrating. We got any questions? No, I was too too bummed to even ask the same question. <laughs> I, didn't know if, I didn't know if anybody even wanted to talk about this. I've seen so many things on on Twitter, like don't talk to me until Saturday. I tweeted out it's a cherry coke float at ten twenty seven p.m. type of night. Uh, normally I don't eat past past dinner. I've been trying to do that this this year, but you know I make exceptions for heartbreaking troubles or losses. Cherry coke float night. Yeah, yeah, man. You and your white stomach. Couldn't do what? it. You and your white stomach. I couldn't do it. Can't work with them. Couldn't even try. Oh, dairy? Yeah. <laughs> that took me a while. So, Sage, a lot of the talk has been about Steph Curry and how excited he is that he's trying more stuff and he wants to get back on the court. Do you think we see him this series? If so, when? Players just have to actually win a game before I even think about it, man. He, uh, he, he's the best offensive weapon since Wilt Chamberlain. Why would you even think about rushing him if there's no need to? Save him we for said this. We said this in the preview podcast for this series that if it takes seven games, so be it. It's better than rushing him back and beating us in four or five, but putting that knee at a, at a bigger risk. Uh, you're right. I wouldn't even be one when I think Portland has to win two these two games. Game three and game four, Portland comes home. We win game three and game four without Curry. Then okay, you could really look look at at his knee and say, okay, are you ready to go for game five? Mm-hmm. And even then, I don't know if I would because they blitzed us, they dominated us in game one, and they flipped the switch when they needed to in game two. And that fan base, I mean, it's one of the best fan it's bases. Crazy. It's crazy. It's loud, man. Toughest arenas to win. Um, they could probably win a game five without maybe bring them back for a game six because the Rose Garden is so tough to win in. But as much as I love the Trailblazers, I don't think they need Steph Curry to beat us in this series. I think it's very short-sighted to, to bring him back unless it's the Western Conference Finals. And you're going to need all hands on deck to beat either the Thunder or, or the Spurs. I mean, that's a very realistic thing that you're saying. And I mean, I, I, I totally agree with it. But 
I, I, I respect the fact that he wants to be out there with his teammates, but he needs to think long-term about this, not short-term. Yeah, don't Wesley Matthews this when you can't even walk and you want to come out and you know keep your starting lineup or your starting game streak going. Uh, you commend them for that desire to play basketball, but you there's a reason there's coaches and trainers that can make decisions for you because long term is always better than short term. Mm-hmm. Especially with this team, that's you know they at least you know, have... can you imagine? And I don't even want to think about it because I don't want him to get hurt. He comes back for a game four. You know, just right after they evaluate him, the, this Monday, upcoming Monday, is when the just the reevaluation should take take place. They say he's ahead of schedule. He comes back in Game Four. What if he gets hurt again? Uh, not only are the Warriors' chances of winning a championship out the window, uh, that coaching staff, that training staff comes under fire. You're going to get nothing but what if questions and why was he out there? And it, it's just not necessary. I've seen it with Brandon Roy before. He came back too early. Um, because he wanted to play so badly. Um, I think he did that. I think uh, the series I'm referencing is 2010 when he had, um, meniscus surgery and he came back eight days later to play in game four against the Suns. I think I know why he did that because he knew he didn't have much left in the tank regardless had he waited. But this isn't a Brandon Roy situation with Steph Curry. This is really the first time he's had any sort of a, a knee issue. Uh, so hopefully it's not chronic or ongoing for him, which it doesn't appear to be the case, which is good for, you know, just basketball fans. We all enjoy watching this guy play, but it's just not worth, I don't think it's not worth risking. And it's not coming from a Blazer fan that doesn't want to see Steph play because we might get a victory. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is about the grander story that he still has left to tell. Mm. And you can't tell it if you're on the sidelines in a suit. I mean, we got to talk game three. It's a little odd that the Blazers, I think, got a raw deal by having to play a 7.30 tip on Friday, and then they had to fly to the Bay Area and start a 12.30 game against the Warriors who had four days to rest. And then you're going to give us three days off in between games two and three uh, when the travel isn't that daunting. I- I'm not sure I completely understand that scheduling by the NBA, and I think it is Portland got a raw deal. I mean, there's no if, ands, or buts about it. I'm not sure it really makes a difference in terms of what the series is. I'm pretty sure the Warriors would still be up 2-0. But I guarantee you we get much more of a competitive game one than we did. And if you want to tell me, oh, it's about the ratings. we got to get Steph and the Warriors on Sunday on ABC. I'm telling you right now, people were turning off the game probably at halftime because it was a 20-point blowout. And you're really only getting Warrior fans and Blazer fans, casual fans, you know, not only do they want to see Steph, but they want to see a close game. It was in Portland. I know it was a goddamn gorgeous day, and really only the diehard fans were inside at you know midday rather than you know hiking through the gorge or you know enjoying the the May sunshine. I mean, <laughs> selfishly, and this is one thousand percent selfishly, I'm cool with a two day break. We're getting three days. I'm even cooler with that three day break. Podcasting this late every night kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, I'm not denying that, but I'm saying, why couldn't we have had a two-day break in between the okay, series? Oh, that, that was ridiculous. But and then why do we need, why, we don't need three days. Well, just to give us two days between games two and games three. Um, you know, terrible job, NBA. Terrible job. Yeah, it, it just seemed really like they did not care. They just wanted that Sunday marquee day for the Golden State Warriors, but... I don't know. I, do they schedule all these games 
in advance. I, 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 I'm I'm sure as soon as the Blazers series with the Clippers went final, they already had contingency plans. Mm-hmm. Whether the Blazers, Clippers went seven or whether it went six, they had it in place. I do know Portland would have had to play a game seven regardless. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's different when you're playing the same team, mm-hmm. you know, another 36 hours, but you're having to game plan for a completely new team. You're having to channel your emotions after winning a, a very emotional game six at home. You're, you're back in the second round of the playoffs after a disappointing year last year and a surprising year this year. Uh, that's a lot to ask. And uh, hopefully they, they knocked that off because uh, definitely was not a good experience for, I think, just general yeah. NBA fans. Give teams time off. Like, I, I don't understand. I just didn't understand it. And just think, the, like, for a straight business, it was a pretty shitty game. So people weren't watching. And you miss out, like, the advertisers miss out on the, the potential viewers and all that stuff. So, oh, man. All right, buddy. As the series shifts to Rip City, uh, game three is actually at 5.30, the first non-7.30 home start this this postseason on Saturday. Uh, if we're going by all accounts, Steph Curry won't play because it would not have been the two weeks until his reevaluation. So we'll preview the game as if the MVP will not be suiting up. Can the Trailblazers get on board? Can, can they get a victory? And um, if so, what are you looking for? Well, my first question is, Is are you going to the game? Game three? Yeah, you know, I, I bought tickets to three, four, and six, so... You might be getting your refund for six. <laughs> I might. Be, that, that's the only bright spot about this is I might be getting ec- extra money back. Um, the, the thing is, I, I just I can't not go to playoff games. Oh, without um, a doubt. That's one trade off to not. Because I've been debating whether to get season tickets or not, and I guess that's one trade off is I'm saving a little bit money. Uh, only a little bit. Playoff tickets are getting goddamn expensive. Pay like seventy dollars for the worst seat in the house per ticket, and that's just right on time. Um, is that I do get to experience all of the, the playoff games, and you know there is nothing like a playoff game. I haven't missed one since I moved up here in two thousand seven. Uh, I would love to continue the streak uh, as long as I live, because. The fans here are like none other, and when you win those games, I mean, you remember, you just remember where you are, you you record the games, you watch them over again, there's just something special about playoff basketball, and I'm realistic enough, I know the Blazers are probably unlikely to continue their undefeated stretch at home, but if I'm going to pick a game for them to win, I would really love it speaking three, you never want to go down 0-3, and then you know all hope is lost. Um, you win game three, you start to get a little bit of hope that you can win that game four and make it a best of three. With or without Steph Curry, you know you're forcing at least a game six. So, But it all starts with a game three. And I think the Trailblazers really, they have to find a way to get better bench production. Even with the Warriors starting Sean Livingston, they still outscored us 35-21. to 21. Um, I saw that Stotts made an adjustment and gave Brian Roberts some run, but he really only took two shots. Ed Davis only took two shots. Crab only took two shots. Henderson was five of nine. I don't know why we didn't run any plays for Crab. He's been, you know, hot these ever since game game four. Game four, yeah, he was MIA the first three games of the postseason. Ever since game four. So 
he's been red hot. We didn't run any plays for him. We didn't run any plays for Ed Hardly. Um, Henderson would have had a better shooting percentage, but he had to jack up a couple as the shot clock wound down. He played well. Um, we got to get our bench more involved, and we just have to find a way to stop guys like Ian Clark, who Ian Clark confessed to Zazili cannot go a combined six of six. Um, Barbosa goes three of six. Iguodala goes six of nine. Um, I don't mind Iguodala shooting. I think that guy's jumper is, is pretty broke and um, kind it of a grab bag. Is. It's a grab bag of whether it goes in or not. It went in tonight, unfortunately, but you'll live with him shooting. Barbosa, on the other hand, that guy's lights out from the quarter, and he is still a blur at getting to the rack and makes it just absolutely impossible to defend his layup. So Portland, if they're going to win this game, the bench has to outplay theirs, especially at home. Uh, another free throws. We're getting to the line enough. We need to convert. You cannot leave points on the board. We need to shoot at least 80% from the line. And I'm going to go again with Clay Thompson. This has been a key throughout the series. You cannot let him get hot. We saw what happened in game one. Game was over before it started. Game two, we made life a little bit more miserable for him, and Portland put themselves in position to actually steal a road game. Uh, which recipe are you going to choose? I think I'm going to choose the latter. I mean, Clay Thompson got a technical because he was fucking frustrated. We were rough with him. We didn't let him get comfortable for that first half. We just have to make that for 48 minutes instead of 36. I think that what we have to do is frustrate him. We have to have a taller player defend him at all times. CJ McCollum cannot guard him. He is too short. It's four inches of height. Crab, Henderson, Moe. Harkless. Yep. Gotta be on him. Can't let him get open. You just, you can't leave Clay. I think you have to make somebody else beat you. Because he will not miss it. I mean, if he gets a wide open look, nine times out of ten it's going in. But just don't leave him. And you know what? The Rose Garden has to be rocking, man. If it's not loud. Also, we cannot continue to switch the pick and roll and let Dame get posted up by Draymond Green again. It's happened time and time again uh, this series, and it's just too easy. Yep. Uh, we can, we cannot switch that pick and roll. He is too big and strong, and he'll score in the post or he'll pass over the top. Yep. But so, I I want the fans to be loud. I want this to be just as loud. I remember I'm, I remember when the, the Pelicans played them in the playoffs last year. Like they had that arena rocking before the game even started. Got into the Pelicans' heads. I want the Blazers, the fan base, to just get absolutely insane for this game. Loudness actually affects players, so let's get that rocking. I want everyone at the Rose Garden who paid all that money to have a really fun time. Yeah, and I'm hoping I don't see a lot of uh, bandwagon oh, yeah. warrior. You will. Like, I know there's going to be more than the Clippers fans that showed up, but we need to have a true home court advantage in Portland, and without Curry, I, I think we'll beat him at home on Game 3. I really do. We played really well in Game 2. We just let that fourth quarter get the better and the better of us. And we know we can win at home. We're three and zero so far this postseason. Uh, you know, the role players are going to play better. We beat them once at home this year. I think we can do it again. And just because we're assuming that the series is over, by no means does that mean the series is over. They still have to beat us two more times. And as the old adage says, a series doesn't start until 
one team wins on the other team's home floor. The series technically hasn't started. Golden State did what they had to do. They won their mm-hmm. two. Now the series shifts to Portland, and they have to protect their home court. Uh, it's up to the Trailblazers to hold up their end of the bargain. And if they can get, if they can just find a way to get Game Three, I think it makes it a completely different series. Uh, again, not saying we're going to win or we're going to lose, but it's going to be a more compelling series. You're then possibly looking at a Game Five in Golden State with the series tied. And you're putting some serious pressure on the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, they respond well to pressure, but it's still really the first pressure they've faced since the finals. Another big key would be beating the Warriors twice in a row would be the first time anybody's ever done that all season. Um, Portland cannot let that stat or even that thought creep in their minds. It's really got to be one game at a time. Without a doubt. One quarter at a time, one possession at a time. Really value these possessions. We're just throwing the ball away a little bit too much. Keep the turnovers under 12. I don't think that's unreasonable to ask. That's like three turnovers a quarter. Like, take care of the basketball, Portland, and get to the line. Make your threes. If we hit more than, I think if we hit, if we shoot 13 of 30 from three like we did tonight, we'll win the game. Keep the three-pointers flowing. Um, be loud. I think we're going to win. Um, I've got a good feeling about Game 3. Uh, could, what you, do you think, Sage? could you imagine how hyped it would be if we actually won Game 3, we're on this podcast, being happy, goofy, and happy with life? Come on. Let's, let's, I, I really want to see that, and I really want to be a part of that. So let's actually get this win. Buy those M&M t-shirts, man. That Those are some of the flyest shits. Yeah, Evan, yeah. our dude... Evan came out with a new design. Uh, the holy backboard code at checkout does work. So if you go to evanm.com, that's E-V-A-N-E-M.com, and put holy backboard, all one word, at checkout, you'll get 20%. You'll probably be the flyest guy or gal at the arena in your new gear. He ships those things out extremely quick. And like we said, we got the three-day break. Uh, you'll likely be, you know, geared up for game three and, uh, let's get loud. The, we've been down before. We were down in 77, 02, came back to win. We did it already this year. Uh, if, if there's one thing this team does, it does not give up. So you should not give up either. Um, just keep fighting Portland. We're proud of you. It's been an amazing season, but let's, let's at least send this series back, back to the bay. It's it's about twelve ten a.m. on a goddamn a Wednesday morning. I'm starting to lose track of my days. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's podcast edit, podcast edit. I, it, yeah, I'm just I'm just here for the ride. Yeah, we're podcasting after dark, churning out this, this postseason content for you, and uh, really hope you appreciate it. Uh, if you do, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Give us that five star rating. You can also hear us on Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. And we're on Twitter, on games, um, non-game days, whenever, uh, at Holy Backboard, again, Rip City. Just keep fighting. Let's go!